I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. On today's episode, we have a great conversation with Drs. Don and Carrie Cole, who founded the Center for Relationship Wellness and have worked with the world-famous Gottman Institute for nearly two decades. They offer some helpful tips for couples on ways to connect emotionally and then build on that relationship connection. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. The doctors are in I'm psychologist Liz Hale, along with Professor David Schramm, and we are dedicating our life's work to bringing you the best we have in marital research, along with a few tips and tools to help you create the marriage of your dreams. We have really special guests with us in the studio today, Drs. Don and Carrie Cole with the Gottman Institute. They actually founded also the Center for Relationship Wellness, based on the 40-plus years of scientific research of Dr. John Gottman. Welcome to the show, Don and Carrie. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Such an honor having you. Can we please start with the multiple hats that you wear? Maybe we'll start with the Gottman Institute. Please tell us, what what do you do exactly? Carrie, can we start with you? Sure. Uh, I am the research director for the Gottman Institute. Uh, That means that I run the Love Lab uh, in Seattle. So the love lab is still going. Yes, it is. Didn't know. It's different than it was yes. at the university, but yes, um, and it's still going. Plus, you run research programs, right? Testing effectiveness of interventions and so on throughout right. the world. So yes, we've got several studies uh, currently going on. I remember hearing about one of them. Isn't it infidelity recovery? That's correct. Um, that is so cool. We're also uh, doing an outcome study. So basically looking at the effectiveness of uh, the Gottman method of doing couples therapy. Uh, we like to back everything up by research. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, what we're doing is actually effective and working for couples. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's so fun to hear about the mm-hmm. Love Lab. Yes. It's fun to watch, too, when, when we have people in there. The Love Lab is actually uh, part of our counseling office in, in downtown Seattle. And uh, when Carrie is uh, testing couples and they've got wires on their face <laughs> and all over their bodies, it's all done by Bluetooth now rather than wired connections to the computer. Uh, so the, the high tech is higher. But um, there are still wires and electrodes. Still visible wires to see and <laughs> sticky things to put on people's skin and um, because we know we know the physiology part 
that that uh, gets involved when people are relating to one another is just so huge. It's it's such a predictor of what's really going on. You can kind of like see under the skin if you'll forgive the pun. Yes, isn't that exciting? That's what makes Doctor. That's what makes Doctor John Gottman's work what it is. Yeah, yes, that's that's certain. Certainly one of the, the unique things that, that he and Bob Levinson brought to this field was, was to really take a look at how the interactions affect our hearts, our, our just, yeah. you know, our deep emotions that mm-hmm. uh, we can't hide. No, that's right. Oh, I think that is thrilling. Don, what is your role, please, with the Gottman Institute? I am the uh, clinical director, uh, so I'm in charge of our programs that train therapists throughout the world. Uh, and approved therapists for certification in our methods. Um, also work with uh, uh, helping our uh, our therapists who are certified in Gottman Method become trainers themselves. So um, help uh, interview and support them um, mm-hmm. so that the the things that we do will continue uh, beyond our own. Well, beyond you know Julie and John's role and even beyond right. ours, because I think what um, the Gottman Method and Gottman Therapy has contributed to this field is worth having a continuation into the future. So that's a, it's a big part of what I do. And uh, also handle problems and so on, like any clinical director does. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I became a certified Gottman therapist, and that training was um, unbelievable. It really helped deepen my seasoning as a therapist. And it's interesting how many couples that call are looking specifically for someone Gottman trained. The right. word is really out in our, in our society. Yes, well, it is. Good to hear. Yes. Yeah. So nicely done. I love on your website, you echo my beliefs. Some couples struggle with some problems in their relationship at some point. We get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. There must be a reason why you don't say all couples but significant amount of us do get stuck at times when we have blind spots. We need a little insight and education. Is there a reason why you say some couples, some of the time? Well, some we, we know that there are couples that um, John and, and Bob and others discovered in those early days of the research that they just labeled the masters of relationship. Um, they seem to know instinctively, maybe they learned it well from their own families of origin or whatever but they seem to know how to turn toward each other effectively how to manage their conflict effectively how to build a shared meaning system those are kind of the three things that we know makes couples function that sort of positive friendship conflict management uh effectiveness and and uh, building shared meaning through life and some couples just seem to know how to do it and even they, they still have problems, they still have differences, right? Yes. And then there are some times when those couples also encounter something that they don't negotiate very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can use and, you know, hopefully they'll get into some assistance quicker uh, and get yeah. themselves back on track faster. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, that I've heard about that you guys talk about is um, something called Marathon therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm a family scholar and a family scientist. And so when I hear the term marathon therapy, I can't help but think of this, you know, 10 hour session, you know, 30 days straight of 10 hours a day or something. It's, it's probably not that. But tell us a little bit about marathon <laughs> therapy. 
is not good day. So marathon therapy, also known as intensive therapy, uh, different therapists maybe set it up in different ways. Uh, Don and I set it up where we work with one couple for three days, six hours each day. Um, and I, we are actually going to start a study on the effectiveness of marathon therapy um, soon. <laughs> Uh, because I, we really think that it's going to change the way that we do therapy. Uh, it's You have time. Uh, what in traditional couples therapy, you have maybe some sometimes as little as 45 minutes. If you're lucky, you have 90 minutes. Um, and couples typically come in and they process the latest fight, and then it's time to go. Uh, and so it's very frustrating for both the couple and the therapist because it feels like you're spinning your wheels, you know, and, and sometimes you become more effective at processing fights. Uh, but we really need to be able to do more than that. There are sometimes, you know, some underlying issues that, that never seem to, uh, that we never get to. Uh, so we want to be able to delve into that deeply uh, which is what we're able to do in our marathon work with couples. So it's it's really can change the trajectory of the relationship going forward. So I, I have always I have always believed, Don and Carrie, that an hour long session is a great way to feel like a bad therapist. Yes. You know, so it's the beauty of private practice of being able to do extended sessions, minor two, three, sometimes they go into four hours. Mm-hmm. So I am all about your marathon work. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, well, it kind of got derailed a little bit with COVID. We had started some training, some of our therapists, and and using the math uh, to standardize uh, what we're doing Mm -hmm. uh, so it can be properly assessed uh, through research. And it kind of got a little derailed uh, with COVID, but we're we're cranking that back up. Yeah. Yes. Everything got derailed. That's oh, yeah, that's so do you, I, I'm assuming we're assuming you see couples in person for these three days. They come to Seattle. Uh, so historically, historically yes. that's been true. Um, uh, in my work with them, I would have them come through the love lab. So they would do an entire day of assessment and then a three day marathon. So it would be a total of four days. Um, but with COVID, we have uh, learned that we can actually do therapy online, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's been fairly effective. So we are giving people the option of either online or in person. Well, and that's also kind of a, one of the silver linings of this COVID cloud Yes, is that we've um, been able to develop online assessment tools that are, are new and they're still they're still growing in terms of their power uh, to do a lot of what has historically been done in the lab uh, can now be done in a clinician's office through technology. So uh, uh-huh. we're, we're, uh, COVID has sort of moved us in that direction uh, and it's really cool what's happening. Uh, do, you, do you two sit with the couple, both of you sit with the couple that come to see you or Carrie, do you ever visit with the wife or vice versa? So either we will do it both ways. Sometimes uh, I work with a couple. Sometimes Don works with a couple. And there are some couples who want both of us to work with them together. Um, and so if they request that, we will do that, which is 
really awesome because um, I get to see the way Dawn works, right? When you're in a therapy office, even when you're married to a therapist, you don't know exactly, you know, how their style and how they work together, um, uh, how they work independently even. So he comes up with things that I wouldn't think of. And I think I come up with things yeah. that he wouldn't think of. Yeah. Uh, so it's um, where it's like, wow, that was really cool. Yeah, Carrie, I would have never done that. <laughs> Carrie has such great intuition uh, with clients that I can rely on that. And then, Oh, not, now I start thinking about it. Yeah, you're right. But, but she, uh, her intuition is very fast and very accurate. And, uh, uh, that makes it fun to work with. We do have a little basic one style difference in that I tend to let couples maybe ramp things up a little bit more than she does. So sometimes she's ready to jump in and, and I'm saying, no, oh, let's let them go. Let's see what they do with this. Let's. So we, I want to watch this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I learned some of that from John, the professor, who says, hey, we'll just watch and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, uh, rather than intervening. So we have a little bit, we have differences yeah. about uh, about the way we do things yeah. uh, sometimes, but I, I love it when we are able to do that. Obviously, it's more expensive to the client if they're having to pay for both of us. So uh, yeah. that does you know factor in. But, um, uh, you know, we, we like it when we get to do it. Yeah, I think that is really marvelous. It's a little tricky as a female therapist. You know, I, I bring my gender into the room, right? My background, my religion. Right. And so I'm often saying to the husbands, I know you're outnumbered. That doesn't quite seem fair, but I'm going to do my best to really hold both of you for the safe place, keep you in a safe place. So I think it's pretty cool when you offer you can, both. Can I just make a, a follow-up comment to that, Liz? Because I think that's... Please. Um, I think it's not just that more often than not these days... Uh, the therapist or psychologist is female. Uh, that's becoming more true, looking at our graduate programs and so on, and that's fine. Uh, but sometimes our theories uh, throw us off uh, because they're really kind of developed from a perspective that sometimes alienates uh, males. Um, and... Sometimes we're, we're just kind of looking at them through, through a lens uh, that makes it harder. Uh, typical thing about that is talking about uh, anger as a secondary emotion. Well, to a lot of men, anger is not a secondary emotion. It's a primary emotion. It's real. Yeah. It's primary. And neurologically, it's real. Yeah. It has a very different neurological signal than other emotions. So those who say to a man, oh, you're not really angry, you're really sad. That's a little bit negative. So he just walked out the door. At least maybe emotionally he did. And so I think there is some of that that makes it harder sometimes for men to connect with therapists. But it's not always just because because male therapists can do the same thing, sort of operate out of those same uh, theories that sort of, um, and I'm not saying women don't have anger and men don't have sadness. Of course we do. Um, but uh, I do feel that sometimes those uh, uh, shifting emotions around like that uh, does kind of inval invalidate people's experience and especially men. So I'll just throw that in there as my uh, uh, <laughs> sort of my uh, uh, complaint of the day. <laughs> And I wonder along those lines if that's why 
some men, some women don't really want to go into marriage therapy, right? Sadly, it still has a bit of a, a negative rap. Yes, and there may be some, you know, there's always a fear that uh, the therapist may side with one person over the other one, right? Uh, and a lot of times people are wanting to bring their partner to therapy for the therapist to fix the partner, right? <laughs> fix them. There's something wrong with them. Uh, mm -hmm. So that would also make the other a partner reluctant to want to come in, right? Um, the beauty about Gottman Method, uh, from my perspective, is I, I kind of joke about this, is that usually the, the female partner brings the male partner in, uh, kind of reluctantly uh, in for therapy, and by the time we get to the end stages, the male uh, partner is dragging the female partner in. She says, no, I think we're good. It's like, no, I think we need to go. <laughs> so I think that this, this method is validating uh, for men. We'll be right back after this brief message. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought... There are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. John, you say that the number one strategy for couples to improve their relationship, then you did a webinar recently, I'm really anxious to see, is stress-reducing conversations. Can you tell us a little bit about that or even model it for us right here on Stronger Marriage You want to do Connection? it right or do it wrong, Carrie? Would you like for us to do it right or wrong <laughs> or both? Yes. yes. <laughs> well, okay, just just briefly before we do, the, the idea uh, really came out of some uh, some research that Neil Jacobson started at the University of Washington, uh -huh. and when he found that um, there was a high relapse rate in a program that he was doing for couples, so he wanted to improve the program by finding out what couples were doing from his program that worked. To his dismay, he found out they weren't doing any of it. All the successful couples and the relapsed couples were saying the same thing, which is, we don't really do that stuff. It was didn't really work for us. But what they did discover is that the couples who had maintained positive change had on their own developed this style of dealing with external stress. Uh, not being so great about talking about what's inside the relationship necessarily, but more about what's going on outside and finding their partner an ally, a support, a friend in dealing with those external stresses. So he was telling this to John Gottman, they were colleagues, and um, John was excited. He said, hey, this is great. It's one of those things that we discover in science that we weren't looking for. You know, let's run with it. And Neil said, no. Why not? No, I didn't think of it. <laughs> so um, John said, well, can we have it? We'll give you, we'll give you credit. And so we made it part, uh, a big part of our program. And for the research, primarily by a guy named Bodeman in Switzerland, 
uh, on this concept has shown just how powerful a tool it is for couples maintaining connection uh, and uh, a sense of uh, well-being. So it's really, a lot of couples do it already uh, in one form or another. It's really the, how was your day to your conversation? So why don't you start? Okay. So this is not, this is the way not to do it. Wrong way. Don't do it this way. Got it. Uh, So Don, how was your day? Terrible. Worst day of the year. By far, worst day. Terrible day. What happened? Well, right after the staff meeting, you know, Jim comes into my office and he says, you know, Tom went in to talk to Jerry. Jerry's the boss. Mm-hmm. Tom went in to talk to Jerry right after the staff meeting. And, and Tom was telling Jerry how you're not qualified for the new promotion, the new territory and all that. And, you know, I think sometimes Jerry really listens to Tom and I, I just felt really stabbed in the back and I've been thinking about it all day and it's terrible. Oh dear. I, you know, Maybe Tom is just trying to look out for No, him. no, Tom's trying to look out for Tom. Oh, oh come on. I come think you're on. overreacting oh, here. Oh, yeah, right. Right, yeah. I'm over, you see the six inches blade in my spot? <sighs> That's an overreaction. Okay, so don't do it like that. Don't do it like that. That's called siding <laughs> with the enemy. We don't side with the enemy. All right, so All right. let's try it a little better. Okay. So, Don... And of course, I've never done it. I've never done it wrong. Of course, right? Probably haven't either. No, we would never do something oh, like boy. that. Uh, okay, Don. Let's see it done oh, the right way. How was your day? Awful. Really? What happened? Right after the staff meeting, I heard that you know Tom went running into Jerry's office, telling him how I'm not qualified for the new promotion and the new territory that I got, and. You know, I know he's just trying to he's just trying to manipulate things to get get it for himself. And it just, you know, it felt rotten. The whole day felt rotten because of this. Yeah, I can I can see that that would be really upsetting. Yeah, it was horrible. You know, so what what's the worst part in this for you? Well, it's scary to think that it might work, but you know, when you ask it that way, I really think, I thought Tom was my friend. And now I feel like he just stabbed me in the back. So you feel really betrayed by that. Yeah, and like I can't trust anybody, you know, and that just really sucks. It's terrible. So so that's a, a shortened version of how you do it better. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. So empathy and validation. Asking good questions. I've got your Just back. being curious, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and, I, and avoiding the two don'ts. Don't problem solve. Oh, well, maybe you should go talk to Tom. No. And don't side with the enemy, what we demonstrated a moment ago. Those are the two don'ts. Yes. I like that. Uh, yeah, compassion. Yeah, compassion and, and understanding. You're holding up the emotional mirror is, is what it, it seems like to me. And you're really, instead of trying to solve the problem, like jump in. But I, I love that. Yeah, for, just reflect, be with them, be in tune, aim to understand and, and get curious, not furious, right? And, and, yes. and it also can help because I think that as we've role played this before, 
you know, the idea of betrayal as at the root of the pain really didn't come out until we kind of talked about it before. And, and like any role play, there's a, an element of truth somewhere in there where I have felt betrayed by someone I thought was a friend. I think yep. most people uh, have had some experience like that. And to have a listener that lets those emotions come out. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's really hard to stay out of problem solving um, because we hate to hear our partner in that kind of pain and we really want to take it away from them. But when we go into problem solving, we are giving a very different message, mm -hmm. which is basically, I don't want to listen to this or since you're too stupid to figure this out for yourself, let me tell you what to do. Um, what I have learned in our relationship is that it is very helpful for me to say to Don, I need to have a stress-reducing conversation. Yeah, put it out there. It's like, so hmm. just listen, don't try to solve it for me, right? So my just saying that, I need a stress-reducing conversation, uh, helps him understand, oh, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do anything but listen, right? Yeah, and well, that's and you, I think We also recommend couples try to create a ritual around this. So, you know, every day at 7.30, you know, the kids are up in their room and we have a glass of iced tea out on the patio. We're Southerners from at heart, <laughs> so it's always iced tea. And, um, and have our stress-reducing conversation. So it, it kind of clarifies what we're doing now. And we know those rituals of connection are really important. This is one of many. But So you were about to say something, Dave. Yeah, I, I'm curious, have you seen, over time, have you seen couples come with, uh, have the struggles differed? Uh, have they come up with the same, is it the same issues? Uh, or have you seen things evolve and say, even the last five, 10 years with the, with the topics that couples come to you with? Um, you know, in the last couple of years, couples have really come with COVID and being uh, confined together. Uh, that's really brought, and I don't know if it's the if it's the the you know limited mobility and confinement that is the struggle, or if it just brings up all of the struggles that were there that they could kind of uh, distance themselves from. Um, <laughs> and of course, communication is always you know we just have a hard time talking to each other and we can't get along. Um, but usually underneath that, there's something else, something a little bit deeper. But the, mm -hmm. I think the general um, things like safety versus, you know, adventure. Let's just put that out there as a general difference. Well, you throw COVID in there. Yes. And it gets more intense. Or time together versus time apart. Or... How about uh, this concept that Gottman came up with years ago called turning toward, where we seek each other's attention and give it, okay? Well, now we've introduced a device that is just so wonderful and powerful into our world a few years ago, and that's these <laughs> smartphones. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I, I've seen people turn away from each other and toward the television, towards the sports towards whatever interest they have and turn away from their partner. But these little devices 
are so powerful about creating your own little world. You know, we we say our kids do it, but we do it too as, as uh, let's say, post-kids. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, we've seen the temptation, if you will, the, the process of turning away. So it's always a problem, but new things like the ubiquity of tel- cell phones or Netflix where – you know, she's got her shows, I've got my shows, and we we separate our worlds even more uh, because of these these kinds of distractions. And um, I think that's something that we see. <clears throat> All that impacts our ability to be connected as friends. And so yeah. I think in uh, coupling into therapy, the idea that it's always the fighting, it's always the conflict. Uh, no, it's not. Sometimes, a lot of times, what's really the struggle is we're just roommates. We're not, we don't talk, we don't mm-hmm. laugh, we don't mm-hmm. play, we don't kiss, we don't flirt, we don't, we don't, we don't anything. We raise kids and we don't do anything else. Yeah, I, I've said in the past, I, I really like that because it starts with connection, hence, right? Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. And I've said in the past, lack of attention leads to loss of connection. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it is, right? Uh, yeah. Turning toward and giving that person our, our, our undivided, all in mm-hmm. attention to have that connection we see really as the foundation of relationships. You know, you're right, Dave. And, and the, the fact is that most of the time, these little turning toward moments are so small. They don't even register in long-term memory. They're just stuff that happens. But even though the memory may not register, the emotions do. Yes. The feeling changes us, either toward our partner or distancing from our partner, just based on, hey, I really like this song. And Carrie says, yeah, I like that one too. Mm -hmm. The the content goes away, but the feelings add up. Stay. Yeah. Yes, they do add up that, that emotional bank yes, account, exactly. like you're talking about. Um, I, you know, I I appreciate going back to the marriage masters, marriage disasters. I always felt a lot of shame that, as a therapist for 30 years, marriage therapist, that I didn't just out of the gate. I wasn't one of those marriage masters, you know. And I appreciate John Gottman telling us this group once here in Salt Lake City that he was not right. a marriage master either, right? When they first started out. The two of you, how did you, how have you gone? What's been the trajectory of your course of marriage? Highs, lows, marriage master, marriage disaster Um, at times? I would say we do pretty well, but we are both in a second marriage. Uh, So this is our, you know, we have a blended family. um, And so we made, both of us made mistakes along the way in our first marriages, uh, which makes, and, um, I think we one of the things that brought us together was our um, affection and interest for the work of Dr. John Gottman. Uh, yeah, that's well, actually how he came into view for me was when he asked me if and, I. And immediately we were working together, but we were no, not a couple. Nope. And he said, uh, "Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of John Gottman?" And I looked at him, and it's like heard of him. I have everything he's ever written. John loves his story, by the way. <laughs> I have a box. It's a file box full of John Gottman's research journal articles that Xerox. I Xeroxed when I was in graduate school. 
Uh, and I still have them wow. with me, yellowed <laughs> with age. Even though we have all of them on PDF, I still have to carry that box every time we've moved. So, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't. But back, but back to Liz's you know, question. Um, sure, we've had we've had moments of um, struggle and correction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what has been the best part of uh, for us is. Knowing that things can't just fix themselves. You have to repair things. When things aren't feeling right, you have to fix it. And there are ways to do it. And so coming into this marriage, knowing that you have to try to repair things when they're feeling off track and that it's possible. I think his may. I don't know that that makes us uh, automatic masters. I think it was more learn knowledge. Yes. Uh, that okay, we're going to do this, and um, and so if something's bothering me or Carrie, I don't know how many times. Uh, hey, I need to talk to you about something, but it doesn't lead to that panic. Like, oh my God, here we go. That you hear sometimes from folks. Um, when I hear that, because I know it's something that that is important. We'll talk about it. We'll fix it. I think we work on repairing quickly. Uh, so when something goes off track. Um, and I probably do want to hold on to it, hold it in and not deal with it. But I know that that's not in our best interest. Um, and to find a gentle approach. So I do have to wait. Uh, I tend to get flooded uh, quickly. Um, and some triggers. So I do have to wait until I can bring it up in a gentle manner. And sometimes I think it's really, that's the beauty of these. That's the beauty of these tools is it brings us such hope right across the board, no matter where we are. Carrie, after you got involved as the research director and start talking about the power of that one little thing, that's gentle startup. Yes. I, di- I didn't realize, you know, just how great a change that creates. If the person bringing up a negative feeling or an issue will do it in a, po- in a positive, gentle way, it everything gets better. Um, and you taught me that is when we started working with the sliders and everything mm-hmm. in, the, in the lab. Yeah. Uh, yes, that one... That one little thing can make all the difference in the world. Uh, And just for your listeners' benefit, uh, a softened startup has three parts to it. Um, So when you bring up an issue, it's important to talk about how you're feeling about it. Um, So I feel. And then about what situation, what happened and that usually does not involve the word you. And then the third part, which is also important, is stating what you need in positive terms, not negative. So an example about that would be, I get annoyed when I see dishes in the living room. <laughs> I would appreciate it if they would get picked up. And... Right? And um, when people do that, um, you know, historically, yeah, I, a person can still get defensive uh, when it's 
brought as a gentle startup, but nothing works all the time. Yeah. But it's so much less likely. Uh, it's much easier. And the cool thing about this focusing on the startup is you have full control over it. It's like the serve in tennis. I used to play a lot of tennis. It's the only shot you have total control over. Everything else, you got to play what your opponent sends. But the serve, you set that up, you make the strategy. Of course, it's a different strategy. You're trying to make them miss when you're talking to your partner. You're not trying to, uh, hopefully not trying to make them miss. So uh, the idea, though, that you can formulate the startup in your own head, write it out if you have to. I have written it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> how a relationship or how a conversation starts is likely how it's going to end. That's correct. That 96% yeah. of the time. That's what we learn in the lab. Yeah. yeah. I love that, that, that soft startup. You talked about um, responding to bids for connection. Are there any other you know, little nuggets, I guess, of tips, practical things that you've learned from the, the, the science, the research, the love lab that you would offer couples? Um, well, so rituals of connection are really important. And what we learned is that couples who are connected to each other have a lot of rituals that they really enjoy doing together. Uh, it could be, it could be very simple little things like the way you wake up together or having morning coffee together. Um, or doing wordle in bed before you go to sleep. <laughs> Uh, So all of these little rituals uh, that kind of bring couples together and is something that they can count on. It's the family traditions. So all those little traditions uh, that are meaningful. It's like, this is who we are. This is about us. Uh, This is what we like to do. So it really is about we-ness, Right. Um, and that strengthens relationships, even in, in small, positive little moments in time, right? Uh, and one of the, the mottos of the Gottman Institute is small things often, right? But I, I want to add another one okay. to what Dave just asked, which is about um, knowing that there's always more to it when there's a disagreement or a difference. There's always more to it. There's something underneath it, especially when it's one of those things that we really just, you know, why are we fighting for this? Why is this so important? Let me ask, what's the underlying need, the core value, the dream, the history? Let me, you know, understanding precede solutions. And so many times couples try to find the solution without the understanding, and it just Mm -hmm. tends to fail. So to take the time, say, you know, why does this matter so much to you? Why is, you know, calling your mom, maybe I think she calls her mom too often. I don't really, but maybe I did. Um, um, Why is it so important for you to stay that close uh, to your mom or to your daughter or whatever? Excellent. let me find out more instead of just assuming that, well, that's not the way I want it. So it's bad, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I, and I think even then in that example, Don, I, I think I've heard um, irritation is, is an invitation when we get irritated, maybe even with the, the, with a the wife's habit or something. Why, you know, why do you keep, maybe first is to check in with myself be like, why, 
why do I get so irritated with that habit or whatever it is? But I think understanding, yeah, our awareness of ourselves and what's underneath. Mm-hmm. I really like that. There, there's a core need if it's safety or satisfaction or this connection, something that's, that's there that we need to explore a little bit deeper. Yeah. In terms of Gottman therapy, that a lot of times is the very heart of what we do mm. is helping couple have that conversation back to the marathon therapy. Sometimes those conversations take all day Yes, for one issue. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think if, you're right. I think if you pinpoint some of that. What, what really is the heart of the issue? Then you can let the healing and the understanding and the compassion uh, comes when when we're aware and that understanding comes. Wow. Well, and the honoring. Oh, it, because it's you, don't, you don't have to change to satisfy me. You know, I can honor who you are and what you need, even though it may be different than me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hopefully, she can do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how you get to that equilibrium that John Nash talks about in his mathematics or talked about. You're seeking that equilibrium where things are balanced because we're both working for the good of the other. Uh, Throw a little I, math in there just for the heck of it. Yeah, hey, I, that's great. I'm a professor, right? Well, Don uh, and Carrie, doctors Don and Carrie Cole, we're so grateful, uh, grateful for your time, uh, for your great work at the Gottman Institute. As we wrap up, we like to to invite you to think about a takeaway of the day from our conversation. We've talked about quite a few things. Uh, what, what do you think our listeners, what would you say is a, a takeaway of the day for each of you? Carrie, what do you, how about you start? Um, I suppose I would have two. Uh, one is to be gentle. Um, you know, start gently. Uh, and the second one would be be curious, openly curious with your partner. I, I love and that. I think, yeah, I think I would say, don't be afraid or be, be, uh, be proactive, be ready to engage your partner. How are we doing, baby? Let's, let's maybe one of those rituals of connection. Let's set every Saturday morning. We'll have brunch and we'll just spend some time talking about how are we doing? Uh, yeah. And, I love it. And, Repair what needs to be repaired, love what we can love, and laugh about all the funny stuff in between. <laughs> yeah. Just got a ritual of connection, that check-in meeting. Take the temperature of your of a relationship mm-hmm. to see where things are at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. Uh, Liz, Liz, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you take away from our conversation today? You know, I would say that probably the number one complaint I hear from couples who come to me is that whole roommate syndrome you talked about, Don and Carrie. And I think that the message of the day, the takeaway is that there is hope. There are simple skills we can learn, small things often, for better or for worse, that really contribute to a marriage and the betterment of it. Hmm. What about yeah. you, Dave? What's your takeaway? Yeah, thanks, Liz. It's, it's been a rich discussion. I love, I'm a big fan of, of the Gottman Institute and the things that have, have come out of that. The books, I think, are just top notch. I love the focus on connection. Our, our podcast mm-hmm. is about connection, whether it's rituals of connection that you've talked about. I love the, the bids for connection. I'm a huge fan of that. So finding small things often, doing those little things to keep that connection strong, sure help when you engage in those conversations that, that need to be had. Hey, before we let you go, where can people find more information? Tell us a little bit about where people can find more info about you. Um, well, they can go to Gottman.com, um, 
and um, we have a find a therapist find a therapist um, link on there, and we're both on that in that system, and we'll pop up. Also, it's easy to email us directly. Uh, Carrie at Gottman dot com, Don at Gottman dot com. Uh, real simple. No, nope. uh, <laughs> it doesn't get much easier than that. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Good luck to you with the. Re- with the Center for Relationship Wellness. I Thank love you. the whole approach. Pleasure so to for see you both. And, um, yeah. Bless you. Look forward to talking to you again sometime. All right. Great. Please take Thank care. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you. for coming on. Bye. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at strongermarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.